Welcome, Oncers. You have discovered the Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast. This is an unofficial podcast dedicated to the hit ABC TV show, Once Upon a Time. And now, here are your hosts, Jeff and Colleen Roney. What a great voice that announcer has. <laughs> Hello. How is everyone? Hello. Welcome. <laughs> To another Once Upon a Time fan podcast. There are a number of Once Upon a Time podcasts out there. We host one of them, and this is it. Thank you for joining us. And yes, this is our first thoughts. This is our first thoughts episode. Yes. We do two a week. Why? Because I don't know. That's just the way we've no, set it up. We like to get some feedback. We like to yes, have the first thoughts are ours, true. and then the second is... Yeah, you know, maybe some more thoughts, but mostly our listeners. That is correct. So again, thank you for joining us for our first thoughts episode for the episode entitled "The Broken Kingdom," mm. and boy, is it ever! Yeah. So to, this podcast episode is episode number two ninety seven. Oh, we're getting close. I know. And the show notes can be found at Once Upon a Time Podcast. Dot com slash two nine seven. So quite an episode. Yes, yes, it was. It, it moved really fast, and there was a lot of things going on. If we did not have those title cards in between, and I mean, I don't want to say title cards; it's not right. But those interstitial cards, however you want to call them, the you know Camelot five years ago, five years right. later, present day. I mean, if we didn't have those, it would have been a little challenging to keep up because it was, it was hard to fall for yeah. me it was hard to follow where are we but once you started listening and you understood the situation oh okay and this is where we're at but yeah it was very it was kind of tough to follow yeah. so yeah anyhow but so anyway there was a lot of different things going on i think it moved very fast mm -hmm. and we needed to get to the next next episode. So I think they had to kind of clear up all kind of different things. Like, sure. what did Lancelot do? What was the deal? Guinevere, all that. So. Yeah, yeah. So it, it starts off, we see young Arthur and young Guinevere. And I think they did a great job yeah. casting. Yeah, they did. younger actors to oh, play. Oh, my goodness. The former Arthur, well, the younger Arthur and younger yeah. Guinevere. The young boy looked just like him. Yes. I mean, like down to the like facial structure and hair and everything. It was it was really good casting on their part. So, so it it appears that the younger selves of these older actors that we know of as now is they were all picked on. They're all picked on. Nobody really kind of came noble. His story kind of reminded me of Rumpelstiltskin older. I, I don't know. I just, I, I kind of got that sense of just being pestered and bothered and bullied and all that kind of thing. Yeah, so. well, he was a stable boy. That's, you know. Right. Definitely kind of. a, a non-noble. Yeah. He wasn't lying when he told David he had humble beginnings. Sure, yeah. Which fits in line very well with the story, so. I wonder who that old... Uh, bully kid was i wonder if we'll see him again i wonder if they will reveal that hmm. maybe 
the other person who pulled the sword out of the stone. That wasn't, yeah. But I, I like the fact that we got an answer about Merlin was already in the tree. Merlin was already trapped in the tree at this point in time. Well, okay, let That's, me let me say this. He He said he heard a voice give a prophecy from the tree. Correct. There's other voices that people have been hearing. Correct. And I think that may have something to do with it. Probably was Rumple. Probably, yeah. And this voice is making them do different mm-hmm. things to kind of But there is a Merlin. Whatever. There is, there a, is Merlin. a Merlin. And here's the reality. I would agree that it, he really did hear a voice that's not Merlin trapped in a tree or right. from a tree give him some sort of, you know, prophecy because again, Rumple could see the future. And Merlin, we did see the actual Merlin talk to Emma mm-hmm. when he was an usher in the theater when she was a little girl. She and Arthur are close to the same age, I would say. Okay. Um so maybe Merlin got we don't know what happened to Merlin. We don't know where Merlin is. We can assume he's in the tree, but I don't think so. I think he's going to be found somewhere else. The flowers that he picked Guinevere and mm-hmm. gave to her throughout the episode. The pink roses. It sounded like he said needle mist. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I had a tough time with that one, something, too. It sounded like needle mist flowers, So we'll too. just call them the flowers. Well, there's something mist flowers. But but the mist is the mist of Avalon. So that kind of goes with that whole thing, which, again, we talk, they talked about Avalon and Avalon being this magical place. So And also, it, it somehow connects, at least word-wise, with Mist Haven. So we mm-hmm. kind of see these connections over and over. Absolutely. We did not have the SAP or the, the words come up uh, on the screen. So right. we didn't know what was written there. So... Anyway, we'll just say flowers for now. Probably right now someone is posting something of the (laughs) actual name. Yeah. All right. So it's very interesting that the bully called it the orphan kingdom because Arthur was an orphan. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot of orphans. And, you know, some people would consider an orphan less than and that kind of a thing. But others, I think, would say that makes them stronger because they have to fill in things that are missing in their life and they have to overcome things to be stronger. So I don't know. But anyway, Orphan Kingdom is kind of interesting. I think it's always, it's well, I would say that it's a tragic thing for someone to be orphaned. Sure. But it seems like he's been maybe adopted by somebody or at yes. least has somebody he can rely on. Maybe. It's hard yes. to tell. And so that's always a great thing when you have adoptive parents who, you know, even foster parents who will take in a child and care for them as long as they're they're treating the child well. That's sure. important. I totally agree. And... The interesting thing is some of the, there was a lot of threads throughout. Broken this, broken sword, broken promises, Mm -hmm. lies, believing in something because it looks right. History over 
the truth and in present situations. So there's a lot of these different themes and we'll dive into more. But Guinevere told Arthur, even at an early age, follow your heart. Mm -hmm. We still haven't heard any more about the mountain or hill of stones. We haven't heard anything more about that. Where Merida was, you mean? Well, yeah, it's just I, I would have thought we would have saw something more. We we may see it next week. I'm thinking we'll see more of it later. And it's it's interesting that there is this idea that Arthur didn't trust himself to be a leader. He said, how can you take the throne? Or this is what the bully said. How can you take the throne with half a sword? It, it, it's this mm -hmm. idea of this. Even in some of the uh, biblical stories of, of prophets, there there is a physical meaning behind a a uh, there's a meaning beyond a physical thing. Like when uh, he ripped his cloak, it it meant that the kingdom was ripped in half. And so this half of half a sword, how can you be a whole king? How can you take over a whole kingdom with half a sword? Right. So these type of things meant something important. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Even in the uh, Arthurian legends, so uh, the but he he lied he li he put the half a sword in a sheath mm -hmm. and presented it like I have Excalibur I am your king yeah and he so. pulled it out only halfway to right. show. Mm -hmm. Just enough yes. so that people would recognize that that was truly Excalibur, but not enough to show that it was missing the bottom part of it. And I, I don't want to go all political, but I just want to say that happens and here and there and people want to believe something. Oh, absolutely. Sometimes they, they, they form it in their mind. Mm -hmm. And also Hollywood is that way. You only show what oh, is sure. seen. And in our mind's eye, we fill in the rest of it. Right. So we think we see the whole thing, right. but we, we're not presented with the whole thing. So in their mind, oh, yeah, the whole sword's in there. Sure. We only saw half, though. Sure. So, yeah. The, I, I was just thinking, it's funny how things pop in your mind. I was thinking of Elf when he realized that Santa wasn't really Santa. He's sitting, you're sitting on a throne of lies. Mm, yeah. And that's what I, I, if if you built it that way from the beginning, there's really, it's, it's built on lies. And, Absolutely. And lies are pervasive and it's not just in Camelot, it's catching on everywhere. And we'll, yeah. we'll dive into more of that. But we will. the, again, it was kind of like doing the wrong thing for the right reasons and he needed to mm -hmm. do that. And, mm -hmm. But in the end, it's not going to work out well. And. At one point, Arthur said, Merlin speaks in half-truths. Mm -hmm. So what the heck? How did he prove that out? So, I mean, to me, again, that means that it probably is is uh, Rumple talking to him. Well, that's what I would assume. Is it, it's Rumple or a dark one, not, and I would assume it's Rumple. But what I think he meant was, you know, Merlin promised him that he would have this kingdom and it would be built up to this great kingdom called Camelot. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he got part of that, but he didn't even get the whole sword, number one. Number two, right. the kingdom is still a bit of a mess. Sure. And that doesn't fit with what he thought the prophecy was going to mean. 
I'm pretty confident if we actually saw the conversation, it fits exactly with what is, you know, was promised. And as a kid, he didn't hear it properly, or maybe he did hear it right. And it was, you know, Rumpel or whoever it was that told him that promised him, you know, something to make him, you know, believe just enough. Do you know what I mean? I don't want to go off on a huge tangent, but I just want to say this. Have you ever remembered something as a kid, a place, and and in your mind it was this huge place, and then you come back later and you see it again, mm-hmm. whether it's a house or a park or some place right. vivid in your mind, Disneyland, whatever, yeah. and you come back to it later on in your life and you go, it wasn't as big as I thought. It, yeah. it was different. Well, so when you're a child, everything looks ginormous. But yes, I but, do know what you're yeah, talking about. So, yeah. All right. So when, first of all, Emma's swan, early swan dress reminded me of when she was chained up in that Heroes and Villains episode. I don't know. Mm-hmm. It kind of, that dress kind of reminded me of that a little hmm. bit. Hmm. So. It's very sweet, very innocent, very pure. Right. The The other thing is, I don't know where she's living. I don't know what room that is that Rumpel called her and said, you know, come on, get up. We have to go. And there was these dream catchers along the window. Oh, right. Now, next week's episode is called The Dream Catcher. So we will probably see. And we've seen dream catchers in Once Upon a Time before. Right. To read Pongo's mind and get memories out and that kind of a thing. But but much more important than even that. I mean, that was a nice little vehicle for it to be used. Right. But the reality is that this imp- the importance of a dream catcher is Neil. Sure. Neil gave her a dream yeah, catcher right. when they were on the run. And they mm-hmm. were making the decision to go to Tallahassee. Yes. So just... That's why I think it's important. I find it interesting because it looks to me like she's carving them herself. Okay. So if she's doing that, what's going on in her head? It's kind of like how Rumple spins. Okay. Yeah. Well, and that's what he told her. He said, you need a hobby. Right. So that may be so her hobby. So her hobby may very well be, but that's interesting because what does that really mean? Considering it was Neil that gave her that dream catcher. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Yep. There's something to that. There's one that was hung up in the hotel room in Tallahassee. That's what I'm talking about. There was also about. one and on his wall in his New York. That wasn't in Tallahassee. That right, was right, right, on right. the way to Tallahassee. Okay. But but, but the, there was also one in his yes, New York it, apartment. It's the same one, I'm pretty sure. Okay. All right. So there is something to that. Yeah. All right. So the dagger calls out to Emma and mm-hmm. it reminded me of and it's been a while since I've seen the movies but it reminded me of Lord of, Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. the calling out of the ring and and all that and it it's no wonder that this magical magical dagger did call out to her and basically kind of drives you crazy I mean if you want the dark one for power and of course, this is like anything else. You're going to get a lot more than you bargained for. Mm-hmm. It's not just power. Mm-mm. You get voices that you hear. Mm-hmm. You get daggers that call out to you. I mean, it'll kind of make you crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, so, and we had a kind of a biblical little jab term here when Rumpel told her, he said, you're the savior. 
save yourself. Mm-hmm. You can get out of this, right? Come on. Yep. Mocking her and all this kind of thing. So um, it's interesting they weave these kind of things uh, through there. But um, the snow and charming argument. Now, remember, we talked about the other one in the sheriff's office. But this was a boy. This, this was a, a full blown dude. Argument. It was uncomfortable, man. They they basically told Regina just just step, go, go wherever you need to go. Just go. Can you just please give us a minute? And yeah. Like, wow. And you could tell Regina was like, whoa. Even uh, that's what I'm saying. I think she was highly uncomfortable with that because even though they annoy the daylights out of her, still now that even though she's part of the family. You could tell she felt bad for them that they were going through whatever they're do- they're going through. Right. So it was pretty tense. And so they were arguing about Lancelot. And like I mentioned earlier. And Arthur. And Arthur. True. Those are the two main mm-hmm. culprits in this argument. Mm-hmm. And we know this because it we were told this, but we've seen this before, is that Snow and Lancelot had a friendship from a long time ago. And yeah. now, and now we find out that, uh, Lancelot married them. Yeah. Don't you remember that? I don't, I, I do not. When he said that, when one of them said that to him, I was kind of like, wait a second. That's right. They totally, I totally forgot that Lancelot was the one who married them out in the, out in the with forest with his mother, with his mother okay. in the cart. Remember? All right. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah. Okay. I remember the, the, the first one. That's always, that's always a great trivia question mm-hmm. is how many times has Snow and Charming been married? Most people say one in the pilot. Like, mm, Where was Snow one. and Charming's wedding? Yeah. Yeah. And the right answer is which one? And that was such a yeah. sweet moment, though, oh, for his mom. His yeah. mom wanted to see his son yeah. married. Yeah. It was just so son. great. And and it was Lancelot. And I, I forgot yep. totally about that. Yeah. All right. But they're arguing and Snow's history with Lancelot basically trumped all of what's happening now. It's just interesting about when you know someone, like a family member or a close friend, and someone says, do you know what they did? Mm-hmm. But you have close connection with the with the this person, let's say. Yeah. Maybe you, you, you had years of, and you know this person, inside out, good times, bad times, whatever. That's going to trump what somebody says, oh, well, do you know what they did now? It's like, well, I'll talk to him about it, but I know them. And yeah. on the other hand, Charming's coming with this thing of, look, this King Arthur, he gave me more of my story beyond the kissing of snow and waking her up. He's given me a, a, a chair in this round table. Mm-hmm. He's given me quests to go on. I'm actually important to this kingdom now. Mm-hmm. And, and what's funny is he... He probably feels like he's a prince of this kingdom, but he's not a king, which is, you know, you would think someone would kind of want a power trip. But I think he enjoys being like the king's bro, the brother, the the quest brother and all that kind of thing. Well, he's always been that. Yeah. yeah. The funny thing is, though, I mean, technically, theoretically... Wouldn't he be the king of his own kingdom now? Because where's his dad? Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Isn't his dad gone? Yeah. Dead, deceased, gone. Mm-hmm. Ex-dad. Right. Right. 
pushing daisies. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that being the case, you that would technically make him king of his own kingdom, wouldn't it? Yes. So he is a king in his own right, but he doesn't ever feel like he deserves it. It's funny. His self-esteem is not quite where it should be. It It's there, but it's not quite. Right. Yes. He needs to remember who he is. But the problem is he's remembering who he was, not who he is. Mm-hmm. There's a big difference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that's one of those really touching moments in... And the uh, Lion King is uh, when the the father comes in the uh, Mufasa, Mufasa uh, and tells his son, he goes, remember who you are. Because, you know, along the way, you get tied up in all your mistakes and your failures and all mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. And but and you forget who you are. Maybe you're around people that are telling you who they think you are. But you got to remember who you are. And I think that's definitely... Well, what, uh, David, is. David as a shepherd is far more uh, a greater of a leader, in my opinion, mm-hmm. than somebody who's just born into being a prince. True. Yeah, yeah. Because David as a shepherd has had to fight off enemies and predators and protect his lambs, his sheep, his, right, right. his flock. He's had to, you know, forge for food for them when it may have been scarce or he may have had to you know, get them out of sticky situations, that makes him a better leader. And he forgets that. And mm-hmm. he thinks that it's all about having this, you know, important title. And it's really not. He's a natural leader because he's, you know, he's been a shepherd his whole life. And he also really kind of voiced that about his brother. Mm-hmm. He said, my brother was, you know, basically son of a gun and just awful bad. I yeah. don't want to be like that. Right. And right. so he knew the difference. And it almost seemed like his brother kind of, just fell into it. I want to go off on a tangent, but I mean, we all know people yeah. that good fortune falls in their lap and they really don't appreciate it, appreciate maybe? it or they, they, they don't, they don't appreciate it. And yeah. it's kind of like you want to shake them and say, man, don't you get, I mean, how, you know, if I had that kind of a thing just kind of mm-hmm. happened to me, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, you know? And so, it's just, yeah, yeah. I don't want to go on from that. All right, so we they they continue their argument, and then later on we find out how it ended up, which I think is fascinating. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So there's this really interesting moment where Arthur is being the total man king now, uh, looking into this this issue with this this message and it has a star and an eye and a sun. And so he's really, really right. focused. This on is it. five years beforehand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but that day also happens to be his wife's birthday. Right. I don't know what this guy was thinking. <laughs> I mean, do you know what it reminded me of a little bit? Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, where Indy's father spent his whole entire life seeking the Holy Grail. And he ended up missing out a lot with the family because of it. And it's kind of like, I mean, we've seen seen tons of movies and TV shows and probably some people know that. I, I mean, I used to work with a guy who I used to, I literally would have to tell him, okay, Victor, it's 
5 p.m. You need to go home. Go home mm-hmm. and have dinner. Because otherwise, if I didn't, I came up, I came in to work one morning. He had not left at all mm. from the night before. Yeah. And I looked at him yeah. and I said, did you stop to eat? I mean, that's the kind of focus that he had. And his wife, I'm like, I don't know how she understands this and puts up with this because I know I sure wouldn't. So, but point is is that he he was so very focused on what he was doing because he was obsessed mm-hmm. it wasn't even like you know uh, he could have just left things the way they were if he just stopped like she said to really focus on what was going on in front of him and seeing that you know the people were happy and they were they were you know following him there wasn't any issue yeah but it wasn't what he wanted it wasn't what he thought it should be he was clinging it was a self-esteem issue well there yeah it's definitely that but he was clinging to something that he thought was going to happen and he didn't realize that it already had right well let's kind of go back to uh, what i think the core issue is we were watching hook um just a little bit Mm -hmm, ago mm -hmm. and you know i remember that that little i believe is in this movie where his wife said you you keep missing his growing up years. Yeah, yeah. And one day he's not even going to want you to come to the games that you don't come to now. Yeah. And it's like, pay attention to where things are now, to who you're with now. Yeah. These types of things are important. Look, I get drive. And I know we've had conversations about that. What's more important than the, the drive for whatever or... Uh, you know where we are and, and what what we have and and it's mm-hmm. it's it's tough especially it's for a guy and and it's you know I, I i would say women too but it's just you know sometimes you have to set aside that and focus on what's there because life has funny ways of taking it away or changing it and so um you know she went down to her home birthday party mm-hmm. and things were said, okay, here's from King Arthur. Here are the petals of this flower. And then she realized who actually planned this mm-hmm. party. He said, he, he didn't even plan this party. And Lancelot was there with her and he said, it was you. And I, I started to kind of see it all kind of fall into place. I go, oh man, he's making a play for the queen. On her birthday. I don't think he was making a play for her. I think that okay. he actually was in love with her from long before. Mm-hmm. And I think that he was, you know, probably heartbroken that she chose Arthur over him. She chose Arthur because she did love Arthur because she figured that that was the way things were going to go. But then when she realized that Arthur was so obsessed with this quest for making Excalibur whole again. Right. I think that's when he or she realized that, you know what? He hasn't been here for me. He, he doesn't care about me. He wants the stupid, stupid sword. And there's no reason why he can't, you know, it's one of those things of be content with what you have. Right. You know, uh, you, you never know when it's all going to go away. And she decided, okay, if, if he, if this is what he wants, then for the love of Pete, I'm going to go and I'm going to do this myself since he can't seem to do this. And, and so that's the thing is that I think she recognized Lancelot's love for her when she realized that Lancelot prepared the entire party for her and prepared it as if Arthur had done it himself. Mm -hmm. So, 
knowing that that's a huge clue right there. This guy loves you more than anything in the world because he could have prepared the party in his own style. Right. So it was very obvious that he did it. He could have taken credit for it from the beginning um, or he could have just not done anything at all if he didn't actually care. And that's the, that was the thing that I think turned her eyes around, especially when Arthur came out and was, you know, she was like all excited. Oh, great. He actually did, you know, keep his word. He promised me he'd come out in five minutes and dance with me. And then it was, I'm going to go find this stupid, you know, dark one dagger. Right. And if I leave now, I'll get there tomorrow night. Woohoo. He's like, she's thinking to herself, because I know any normal woman would be thinking this. Really, you can't wait 24 hours. You can't. You can't wait 12 hours even to leave. You have to go right now. Literally, this is the most important thing you have to do right now. And, you know, that is a huge stab in the heart saying, I don't care about you nearly enough to set aside some time to even have one dance with you. I'm getting ready to leave. Love you, babe. Right. No, that would just not fly. The biggest, besides money, I think the biggest, toughest thing in any relationship is a different set of priorities. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. I think it could be a daily thing, it could be a weekly thing, it could be minute by minute. But it's it's what you said is what is important to you is not important to the other person and that's hurtful. And you know Men, no and I, I would say women, to fail miserably at it. And it's very hard to uh, to do that, to to think about what is important to the other person. Right. So No person on their deathbed says, gosh, I wish I hadn't spent as much time with my family as I did. Well, <laughs> sometimes family, they're tough to be around. Even then, but, I'm uh, telling right. you. Nobody says to themselves on their deathbed, gee, I wish I had not spent as much time with my loved loved ones. ones." Yep. Okay. Totally agree. So, and that's, that's, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Nobody sits there and goes, gosh, I really wish I'd made, you know, all that money that I should have made if I had just worked even harder. That's not what happens typically on a deathbed. You you ask people who work in the healthcare industry, I can tell you right now, that's what they, they will tell you. I agree. So so we did see the rest of the story on Guinevere's quest to go find the Dark One Dagger, Mm -hmm. even though, you know, she may have been upset at Arthur doing it. And then we get the other side of the Magic Gauntlet story. Remember Mm -hmm. that Belle had and all that kind of stuff? We Uh found out how Rumpel got it in the first place. So, And, And an interesting point. If I'm not mistaken, Rumpel made a comment to the Queens of Darkness and Belle about this gauntlet. Made the comment that the kingdom he stole it from would regret it mm. or would not appreciate it. Didn't wasn't They weren't going to have an easy time of things or something to that effect. I need to go back and watch that episode. Yeah, yeah. But he said he made a comment about it, and it sounded like the way he made it sound when he when he told the the you know the girls, it made it sound like he had taken it by force, 
and that it was not, it was going to be an unpleasant thing for them. So I'm really starting to believe more and more that Rumpel is the one who fed him the lies. Merlin is nowhere to be found in this kingdom at all. He's nowhere around there. Right. He's going to be somewhere else. And it's going to be interesting to see maybe that he will be at Avalon. Cause that would make sense. Right. So we have, we go back to the dark one cover where portal. the, the mm-hmm. portal is yeah, and it's empty. They go down there and we see the darkness come and try and claim someone again and the darkness tries to claim Lancelot. And it, it's interesting how Guinevere basically shoes off the darkness with this uh, torch. Torch. I, I uh, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to kind of go with it and say, yeah, okay, fine, whatever. I find it fascinating because what's interesting about that to me is that Rumpel was already dark. This is only five years ago. Right. And that's and that's another thing too is that it's there wasn't another dark an empty dark one dagger that needed to be filled or maybe was there I don't know. No, you know what no. I'm wondering is remember when Rumple killed himself and ended up back in the vault. Right. That's the dark one vault. Right. Remember how he ended up back in there and then Zelina and Bell and Bay were there to free him from it. Well, Bay and Bell were there to free right, him from right. it. Yes. I'm wondering if that dark one that we saw was basically banished there okay, or locked up in the vault. And as long as there was a body for it to inhabit, it could, you know, be free. But because it couldn't be held in the body because Guinevere fought it off. Yeah, I, I I just don't know what kind of triggered the uh, new darkness uh, kind of thing. We're so. gonna we're gonna see somehow somehow some way we're going to see Avalon, and there's gonna be something on Avalon, or maybe it's the flowers, maybe it's who knows what. Because if it's the sands of Avalon that make things appear whole again, yeah, right. If that's what's going on here, then what? It's kind of like Spell of Shattered Sight almost. Yeah. In op- a sense. Opposite of it. Well, yes. You're yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. right. It's the opposite. Instead um, of tearing it apart, it's putting it together. Exactly. It's building but it's, up. But it's a lie. It's, off, it's a it's, lie. Right, it's, it's building it's, off of false truths. Yeah. But what's interesting is I think we're going to see somehow there's something in Avalon, something somewhere that's going to be the antithesis of this. And everyone's going to have the the sight, the truth, the truth revealed. Right. And then it's going to be. It's going to be very interesting because, uh, you know, look, I and, and I, I'm, I'm I am not trying to go off on a tangent, but but it's just your perception is how you live your life. Right. Mm-hmm. It's it's your point of view. How right. do you see life? How do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as you know, achieving your goals or do you see yourself never achieving anything and kind of wallowing mm-hmm. in this whatever? Yeah. And it's kind of that same thing is that people see what they want to see. So the I, I can't remember right off, but there is a quote in Speed where Sandra Bullock said something about 
you know, a certain percentage of relationships are formed during a traumatic or stressful situation. Yeah. And it was that I'm not excusing what Guinevere did. She's married and all that. But but it's just if someone that you're with, that's your partner and you may have feelings for him after the little uh, flower thing and the birthday mm-hmm. party and all that, which mm-hmm. the flower petals reminded me of the sand tossing later. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, she kissed him. And I think it was because she was happy a lot of it was happy that he didn't die. Right. But then there was also the other feelings and right. all that. Right. Too. Definite so, feelings there. And then they had that <laughs> pretty, pretty famous discussion. It's like, that's never going to happen again. It's only happened once. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, that's mm-hmm. it. This, mm-hmm. it's, this never happened. Remember? Right. It's never. Okay. What happens in the dark one ball right. stays in the dark one ball. There you go. And that... <laughs> That works too, except the darkness is like tweeting it out and all that. It's bad. All right, so <laughs> the darkness uses Instagram, I think. Yeah, the and so then Snow, based on her history with Lancelot, just strolls over there to Granny's on in Camelot and is going to give this dagger to Lancelot. You know, and and it really. And this was after Charming went into Arthur and said, "No, I've got, I've got the Dark One dagger. I'm going to give it to you." Mm-hmm. And and it really it hurt because he broke Snow's trust. Oh, I wonder. Well, were they playing oh, at that they, point? They're they're well, yeah. okay. Yeah, yeah, okay, but we didn't know that. Really, yeah, yeah. At the we time, I was that. like, I was like, dude, man, I I'm, mean. I'm your sitting, wife. Yeah, I'm Come sitting there now. yelling at the TV going, are you kidding me? Yeah. Seriously? We're yeah, going back can't. to season one, David? Really? Really? You were that, like, desperate for your own, like, whatever, that you can't see that this is a bad idea? Really? You're going to betray tr- your wife's trust? I, Which, again, is kind of a parallel of what's happening with Gwyneth. Arthur, and you're right. You're absolutely right. I normally don't get wound up like that emotionally no, in yeah. certain situations. Yeah. But when he walked in there and he started to, to basically oh, yeah, no, explain. I'm, I brought it with me. I'm I brought like, it with me. I said, you know what? <sighs> that is not cool. That is no, not cool. Not even. But, so, but again, yeah. I, love the, I, love, I love the fact that that was a huge MacGuffin. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah. So then I started writing questions of, you know, what did Lancelot do? <laughs> Where's the Dark One dagger? Snow's giving the dagger to Lancelot? I've just, all these, well, yeah. What I suspected at that point in time was that Regina had actually taken the, and hidden it because she didn't trust David at that point. Because remember when they had the conversation in the chamber, when they said Emma was in there after the dagger, I thought it was Regina who had, who had, kind of when she poofed out of there took it with her you know because she could have done that i mean that's just her thing but i love the fact that she trusts snow far more than anything else she's a little leery of david but she trusts snow like crazy which is good because she should because you know that's their their bond is pretty strong and that's a great thing so yeah so when david showed up and there was no dagger in there i'm like oh man and my first thought was regina and then i saw snow take it snow go to the go to granny's i'm like oh no no she's got it she stole it you know i i'm trying man i keep stopping my stuff from going off on tangent i just want to say this is that whoever you are you are not all there is that's why 
the the famous statement is no man or woman is an island. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. why you have friends. Well, I don't have any friends. Well, okay. Do you have family members? Do you have a, a spouse or a significant other or someone that you spend your time mm-hmm. with? And it's like, that's what they're there for is to share your life and, and talk about things because Look, I know for sure I don't have everything all figured out. I don't have the right answer most of the time. But because you and I talk about mm-hmm. things, we can bring our view and our information together. And I think we make some good decisions. And I think that's what it really, really ticked me off that that he would do that. Just yeah. kind of listen to her. And I know it, it but it just, it bugged me. It really it, it just bugged me because I, you know, married couples and couples don't agree all the time on everything. Sure. But at least just listen anyway. Yeah. So, uh, you know, biblical names and Nicodemus the horse. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of interesting. These names yeah. kind of find their way into these scripts. So there's I that. I half expected that to be the name of her, her, her dad, which Henry, of course, assumed too. Yeah. Yep. When she said, no, no, it's my horse. You're going to love him. Oh, okay, great. I thought that was really kind of fun and cool and a very sweet little scene of Emma realizing that Henry's growing up, that he's not a little mm-hmm. boy. He's growing up to be a teenager and he's got his first crush. And I love that Hook is happy about it because it's adorable. It's adorable to see him, you know, being kind of almost like a proud dad. It's really kind of cool. And look, I, I don't know how this whole thing's going to end up. There are people on Twitter that are pretty sure of a lot of different things, but I don't know how this relationship is going to end up. But I want to tell you something. Hook, if this goes, continues on, this relationship between Hook and Emma, Killian and Emma, right? Mm -hmm. Hook is going to be a stepfather. Yeah. That's tough. That's a tough gig. That is a tough gig because, and, and what, what I really appreciated is it wasn't the learned hook stepfather sage kind of person. I really enjoyed that he looked at it from a guy's perspective mm-hmm. when he goes, you know, uh, no, it's it's a it's a girl. Oh, of course it is. Of course it is. He goes, no, 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 it's not like that. We're just hanging out. Oh, yes, hanging out. You know, so it's just. I, I did enjoy that that it was very interchange. Because, it was very cute. Well, think about it. When 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 kids tell us stuff, yeah, let's leave it at that. It was oh, we're just hanging out. It's like oh, okay, right, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, you know, is is their phone on speed dial? Do you talk to them all the time? Yeah, hmm, okay, hanging out, right, okay. Oh no, we're just you just friends. keep saying oh yeah yeah, yeah. You, you keep telling me that yeah. Yeah. yeah, we kind of laugh about that. But um, yeah. no, I thought it was very sweet. And if you think about it, Hook would actually kind of sort of almost be his step-grandfather. Because right. he was almost a dad to Bay. He was yeah. more like a, he was almost like a cool, he was he was more like a dad to him. Well, you he know, raised him up, he, or at least spent some time with him when he was young. You know what I mean? 
He looked at him as like a, a son or at least a younger brother for sure. But I, anyway. I don't think I don't think any any fans of that storyline are still watching the show or listening to his podcast or whatever. But I want to tell you something. I really, if if Bay would have survived, there his relationship with Killian would have been tough. Mm-hmm. But I really did like their relationship and friendship on the boat when he was teaching him how to how to sail right and all that kind of stuff yeah 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 and i just i i mean there's a lot of different things i felt when balefire died but that was one of them it was kind of Mm -hmm. the 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 sadness of what could have been i mean emma yeah sure okay but also that uh, I, I don't know. I, I just uh, I, I felt like we missed a whole lot of growth, and and I think that would have been cool, mm-hmm. and especially you know Hook, you know, befriending and being friends with Balefire and and uh, Henry. I, I don't know. Yeah. I thought it would have been cool. So anyway, back to the show. Sure. <laughs> Since we've just done so many rabbit trails tonight, right. it was really it was really a very cute little scene, and it was very well planned. And Henry's getting really good at these cloak and dagger. Uh, smoke and mirror type escapades where, you know, it looks like one thing and then he tricks tricks them into something else so that he can, you know, save the day kind of a thing. It's uh, it's kind of fun. We, we've we got to move forward, but it was interesting to see uh, Violet with a, a, pit, a hay fork. Pitchfork. Um, Pitchfork, pitch which is normally used for a stable boy. Correct. Which is kind of, I don't know, it was, it was interesting that she had the werewolf all to kind of, I don't know, it, just, it didn't seem like the daughter of a king would would do that. I don't know, I just... Is she a daughter of a king? Well, there you go. So, that's, okay. I don't know, we don't know who her parents are. Okay. Oh, yeah, okay, sorry. Yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to put her with somebody that she's not from so yeah. uh the the other thing is that so they were going to go out riding and then hook and emma were going to go out riding uh, mm-hmm. as well yeah so um i thought that was kind of interesting and let's kind of skip ahead to that i think uh i think riding a horse is very therapeutic i think getting out of the situation into the fresh air, into the mountains, it, it clears your head. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that was nice, you know, later on. Anytime you do any kind of physical activity, mm-hmm. it will clear your head and refresh you. You know what I mean? We are not meant to be sedentary. Yeah. We are meant to be moving. And right. it's actually, it is very therapeutic and it's good for you. And, and it was it was a good bond building exercise so to speak but uh, hook's a smart guy you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of people say a lot of different things but i'm telling you hook was pretty smart to take that kind of approach yeah and because he knew that talking to her and explaining things and warning her about things mm-hmm. really wasn't going to work right so he took the you know romantic side of things let's go on a horseback ride 
let's kind of go out into nature. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was great. I was waiting for something bad to happen. Yeah, I was But for the so first bad. time in a long time, yeah. it didn't. It didn't. It was a in nice that In that kind of context. arc thing yeah. happening. It was very so. nice. It was very sweet. It was very romantic. And it was a nice bond building little exercise. And maybe that'll be something that will come back to Emma, you know? Yeah. That'll punch through the darkness. Remember I told you that that there probably will be little things that'll kind of jar later, and that that may be one of them. Because there probably is horses in Storybrooke somewhere. Well, yeah, but the needle mist is the flowers, because she, Hook, gave her those same flowers. So... Rumple kind of playing into this whole, well, let's kind of pervade this lie. So I can't give you the Dark One dagger, uh, Guinevere and Lancelot. Sorry, can't mm-hmm, do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I can give you this sand, and it'll make it look like, you know, it's all together. And the sand is from the mists of Avalon. So, mm-hmm. And... Uh, one of the statements was a broken heart. The pain of a broken heart is what Rumpel said mm-hmm. is much stronger than the pain of a uh, broken sword. Right. So, right. Because everyone's like, well, what, what if we're found out? What if it's discovered? And it's like, look, a broken heart. And that's, that's more painful than really kind of being caught in a lie. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right. Uh, so let's kind of jump forward. Which, by the way, the whole Emma and Hook thing, uh, going back a little tiny bit here, the fact that she shared with him exactly what was going on is huge. Right. By the way, she hasn't shared that with anybody else. Mm-hmm. She's only shared it with him. Henry doesn't even know. Yeah. And... So this this sand can not only make a sword look whole, it also can allure people to your point of view, basically kind of mm-hmm. uh, connecting you mm-hmm. with someone else. And then this sand also makes the, it mends the kingdom, this broken kingdom. That isn't all what it could be. So it's pretty, pretty powerful. Makes everything appear to be whole again. Right. Right. Even though it's really not. Basically what it is, it's a Hollywood uh, facade. Mm -hmm. You know, how they film, you know, down the street sometimes Mm -hmm. on the studio back lot. And you look like you're driving down the streets of New York or somewhere else. And, you know, all you're doing is driving past a bunch of plywood that's been painted to look like a building. But there's really nothing. Once you walk through the door, there's nothing behind it. It's really what it is. So they, Snow and Charming and... and Charming shows up and they basically um, explain the whole thing is that, yeah, we did argue, but then we put aside our differences and we put. Yeah, that whole scene. I mean, I love the fact that it was, you know, that she handed over the dagger to him and it was a fake. Yes. Where'd they get the fake? Right. Well, they've had fake versions of things. We know, but where did they get the fake? Okay. Right. Interesting. Well, I think Regina probably Absolutely. made one. Absolutely. 
they I'm sure she probably did. She probably got several. Smartly, she should. But yeah, um I love the fact that that Arthur thought he had, you know, had the upper hand and it's totally a fake. And I love the fact that it was all a big, you know, plot twist of uh, Snow and Charming were actually plotting together to make it seem like they were really mad at each other, which they were. But at the same time, they realized that it was better to test things out and see. And I'm glad that they had the presence of mind to do that because they both have proven to each other that, you know, they both have good points of view. And so in this case, when they're both equally divided, the best way to do it is to see who, who can you really trust. And turns out they really can trust Lance a lot. They really cannot trust Arthur. He really right. is um, a little bit of a mess. And so I love the fact that they could do that. What I did not care for, though, of course, was the fact that they threw Lancelot in jail. That was, yeah. that was sucky. Very sucky. And then to show, you know, to end up in the in Granny's diner and have Guinevere throw the fling and fling and sands of Avalon all over them. Right. Dang it. That is true. That and uh I just want to go back just a little bit to the uh another well a line that the that hook told Emma about that whole kind of romantic ride. He said, you need to put your trust in me and or put your faith in me. And so faith and trust and belief, it was really all throughout this whole episode. <clears throat> yeah. So you want to fly. Who could you trust? Yeah. A little bit of faith, trust and pixie dust. That is correct. And so we saw Merida again. We did. We and love Merida. We, we saw her in the jail Yes, we heard her before we saw her, but she yes. cannot mistake that accent and that voice. And I seriously swear to you, every time I see her, I still all I ever see is Katy Perry in a wig. I I need to be very careful with what I say. I I would know Katy Perry in a wig, and and I I would yes. Would, but I'm just saying, you yes. have to understand if you had seen if you ever watched Raising Hope, there's an episode okay. of her. Katie Perry to see did that a guest episode. star. Yeah, Katy Perry did a guest star on Raising Hope as a jailer, and she was. It was quite funny, and she wore a big red curly wig just like that. Yes, well, so it's kind of funny to. And she, yeah. Anyway, I am a Katy Perry fan, so I'll need to uh, yeah, check that yeah. out. And I wrote a note here. I hope Regina and or Robin can sniff out the truth with charming and snow now kind of under the beguilement of this uh sand yes i think they will i think they will i think regina's smart enough to recognize that that's just a load of hooey yeah nice the, i i also want to say this if you're a regina fan mm -hmm. if you're a fan of the Who's the, the wardrobe master of this show? What's Eduardo his name? Castro. If you're a fan of Eduardo Castro, mm -hmm. go to the show notes. It's once upon a time podcast.com slash two nine seven. You gotta go there. I have a screenshot of Lana doing a turnaround with that dress and a hand on the hip. Boy. Oh, howdy. Yay. It is just great. 
So go and cool. check that out. Very cool. And if you're on Facebook, you can see it and you can scroll. The, but go see that. Yeah. Anyway, but that, that's what I think. I think. I think Regina, because she's such good friends, I think they may have a conversation, Snow and her, mm-hmm. and she'll kind of look at Snow like, what? Are you, yeah. Huh? Snow, I mean, she kind of already was like, what? She wasn't buying it. No. She wasn't no. buying it fully. So I'm hoping that once they start to get their memories back, that will like, that's going to, because they will get their memories back. We know right. they will. It's, it's going to happen. Yep. So Emma did uh, put her faith in Hook, and we have that wonderful kiss and that that rose bed of rose. What's the feel of roses? Yes, and it kind of reminded me of Oz a little bit. The whole uh, poppies thing. Yeah, yeah, kind of did. I noticed that when the camera went back, boy, Twilight. All right. Uh, So when the camera went back, when uh, Hook and Emma were kissing and all that, I noticed that it was a lot of light. And mm-hmm. one of the things is, is he, he said something, uh, Hook said, what do you not f- hear or what do you not feel? What do you not see? And see. And I wanted, I, I said out loud, I said the darkness. Yeah. Because yeah. The, it's just so light, light is bright. everywhere. Light bright, yeah. Because you've now put your faith and your trust into something other than the darkness and mm-hmm. and i we didn't go there but i went there i was like no, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh it's, yeah, right yeah. Yeah, so it's right there so the the interesting thing is that uh gold was tied up in that kind of underground lair like mm-hmm. hook was tied up on that fence oh yeah yeah. And when hook when when rumple tied him to the to the gate in front of the sorcerer's house that's correct so he yeah. couldn't warn emma what was going to happen yeah right yeah yep. yeah and then we see somebody else tied up to the front of the car. Now, I have a bit of a issue. Mm-hmm. How did she get there? What, what in the world? Yeah, that is kind of a randomly weird, odd place to put her, considering they've been back for a little while now. Right. And she's been there the whole time. Are you kidding me? She'd be dead by now. I should have that sound effect of um, uh, Sally Field uh, from... Uh, Mrs. Doubtfire, the whole time, the whole time, the whole time. <laughs> I, I should have played that right now. But, yeah, it was just like, it was just kind of weird. Now, that tunnel, here's yeah. a little trivia question for you oncers out there that have been watching the show a while. Mm-hmm. Where have we seen that tunnel before? I know, I know, I know, you know. Where have we seen it before? Uh, I don't remember the exact episode, but I do recall it is exactly where Emma met. Sydney, when they were doing a little espionage. Fruit of the poisonous tree. That's it. When they were trying to catch Regina in that whole... Stealing money when mm-hmm. she was actually building the kids' building playground. The, the, building her castle or something. Yeah, the, and then, yeah, yeah a replica yeah, of her yeah, castle right. and the kids' playground mm-hmm. to replace the one that she tore down. Yep, yep. And thinking how inappropriate it looked for children to play on because it looked dangerous. It looked dangerous. There's all kind of sharp edges and all kind of... Yeah. I wouldn't let any kid that I knew play there. But, anyway, yeah, I but wanted, yeah, that's where it is. I wanted to find that location, and I, I was not... Two trips up there. I yeah. Find no, it. we didn't find that one. All right. Uh, so... And then my last question is, can Merida actually make gold brave? But then on the other hand, it's like that is the complete antithesis of his 
who he was told he was. Yeah. And so it probably, as a destiny kind of a thing, Mm -hmm. it would be perfect for her to make him brave. But I think when he becomes brave, he's going to be so brave that he will not help Emma. And I think that's how his bravery will end up being. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is what he said. He says, I remember the darkness and how it tastes. And I'm telling you, I'm not the hero you need. Yeah. That really, you know, I I have to tell you, there's a bunch of people. There's a bunch of people that love the powerful evil queen regina mm-hmm. and there's a lot of people that love the powerful um rumpelstiltskin mm-hmm. the the that side mm-hmm. but i'm telling you i maybe i'm uh whatever but i love the redemption path that regina has taken and i love this redemption path that now rumpel and gold has is taking because now and we we heard the same thing. He we, didn't want it. We, we, Regina did. Correct. But but we we we're hearing the same thing that Regina uh, you know has told people. It's like it's not worth it. This revenge I'm telling you. I'm I've done it. Mm-hmm. I've lived that life. Mm-hmm. You don't mm-hmm. want that. Yeah. And when you hear somebody from their own life tell you something, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. it's different than somebody who Read a you know, book. It, 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 yeah, read a book, uh, chewing on gum, filing their nails, kind of staring off into space, tell you something that they are paid to tell you or need to tell you. Right. It's like, are you going to believe that? Well, it, it depends. I mean, in some cases, there are there are things where if somebody has been able to be an objective observer, sometimes they will have a good insight that somebody who's right in the middle of it can't see. Right, right, right. I'm just going to step out on a limb here. We don't have kids. Mm-hmm. My sister has children. Yep. We don't have kids. So I don't fully grasp what it means to have a child, but I have watched my sister and I have been there and I have disciplined my sister's kids and I have been that mom to them. And so I think on some level, not the same as a mother, because I sure don't want anybody getting mad at me, but on the, on some level, I understand what that's about. Right. But I still think that as an outside observer, there are times when I can see a situation a little bit clearer than, say, a parent might because I'm not going to look at that child with perfection and love in my eye in their you know in my eyes I can see when that kid's misbehaving that's not a good thing to do when the parent might look at it and go well that's just adorable and oh they're just you know whatever okay. so I'm just saying in in that respect yes having having some outsider observation can sometimes be a, a you know a more powerful or whatever thing but i guarantee you that every time uh i make an observation from an outside perspective i am shut down like crazy mm. you have no idea what it's like to be a mom yeah, yeah. okay so i i hear that i True. get that even though i may have that wisdom but i can tell you that when another mother who's 
had, you know, a bunch of kids tells a new mother or a young mother or whatever, some other mother, what's going on with their kid, they're probably more inclined to, you know, to buy with that, that other mother's things because they're coming from the same perspective. Just like for me to try to tell somebody you should, you should quit smoking. I've never smoked. I can't tell you what it's like. Mm -hmm. I can only tell you what I know from a medical perspective, what it would be, you know, what it does to you. But who's going to listen to me because I don't have that experience. But say, you know, my dad who smoked for 34 years Mm -hmm. and who has had serious medical issues because of that and continues to have them now battling it, you know, constantly, he would have a little more weight you know, with somebody who might be going through that. So I think there's that whole thing of, yes, having somebody's outside perspective is good, but coming from Regina's lips herself saying, look, you do not want this. Coming from Rumpel's mouth, it should have an impact on Emma. She should listen to that because he is speaking from actual real-life experience, not, you know, parents who love you saying, we don't want you to to do this. So so now we're getting the angel and the devil Rumpel, basically. And I think it's really fascinating. And now she gets to hear both sides, really, of the story. But um, Which will also mess up her head a little bit, too. Yeah, yeah. But I really, I really love this show because uh, you know, again, we've you know we've taken a few rabbit trails, and I'm sorry about that. But you know, normally we kind of clip them back and, and all that. But anyway, we can only be what uh, what we are. And and I just, I love how this show kind of brings these things out. Yeah. Because I know that we are not the only people talking about this kind of stuff. I know we're not. Yeah. You know, but. It's it's a it's still a great show. It's a fascinating show. It's a fantasy show, but it also has a lot of connections with mm-hmm. reality that, yeah. that you can relate to. So I think that's it. That's all the notes I have. And we did kind of move ahead kind of quick because so, I wanted to end in around an hour or so. Yeah, perfect. Anyhow, but unless there was things that you nope. wanted to. Nope, I'm good up. for now. All right. So what I want to do... It's in big love out to everybody. And remember, big love is love so big that you can't keep it all. And so you can take what you need. Sometimes we need a lot. Sometimes we need a little. And pass the rest on to somebody else. And whatever that means to you, let's do that. We could use some. If you have any spare kind reviews on iTunes, we could sure use some. So head over to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash iTunes, and you can leave a review and rating there. We really appreciate that. Help support us. That's important as well. And we thank you for all the tweets and Facebook messages and all that kind of thing. And uh, we will now go to work and take care of that stuff (laughs) and then we will have our main show later on with your feedback and we appreciate your feedback so thanks so much and we will talk to you all soon see you guys bye bye thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the once upon a time fan podcast this is a rony zone media production our website is once upon a time podcast.com you can contact us by going to once upon a time podcast.com slash contact. You can also connect with us on social media by going to once upon a time podcast.com slash connect. 
If you enjoy what we do and would like to support us, we invite you to go to onceuponatimepodcast.com slash support. There's a number of ways that you can help us out, and we truly thank you for it. The Once Upon a Time Fan Podcast, where you experience more of the magic of ABC TV's Once Upon a Time.